steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! the unbelievable podcast i am bj Rydell, back here with my guy drew maholt and today we are talking about the most recent minnesota vikings loss um this time coming against the tampa bay buccaneers we kind of got what we expected to some extent um and there's also some things that i don't think many of us could ever have expected or projected or um tried to understand what went wrong within this football game for the vikings so uh, we will break down kind of the ins and outs of that and what led to that 26-14 loss for your Minnesota Vikings. And um, fortunately, at 6-7, and seven, and given the current standard across the league, the Vikings are still in the midst of a playoff race somehow, some way. Um, so we'll discuss kind of what uh, that path is looking like, uh, the situations that may or may not need to happen to give the Vikings a fighting chance and so forth. So we're back, as Drew just said before the top of the show, we are back to projecting long, exaggerated, ridiculous potential for the playoffs for the Vikings. So um, let's start it off here with kind of what went wrong. Um, and I, I guess some things went right, but it, this is really going to be a what went wrong section, I think, because um, the Vikings shot mm. themselves in the foot enough times for um, any NFL team last week. So um uh, Let's start with Kirk Cousins. Um, I imagine this is going to get into special teams real quick, but let's start with Kirk Cousins and try to focus on Kirk Cousins. Uh, Vikings came out of the gate really hot. They looked really nice the first two or three mm -hmm. offensive drives. Um, even if they weren't putting up points, they were pretty consistent moving the football. Uh, there's no three and outs, I don't believe, until at least later in the second quarter. Um, so they came out of the gates nicely. They're playing good. Um, getting the ball to their playmakers for the most part. Cousins was accurate. He was doing his thing. Um, and you get the, you get that score on the second drive. The Delvin Cook finishes off, and the game's kind of starting to look like, you know, the Vikings are going to have a real opportunity here to, um, you know, move into that sixth slot in the playoff situation. Um, and then kind of all hell broke loose starting with that missed extra point. Right. I think in, oh, I, to me, I think the, the really where things uh, turned, momentum turned, was the missed field goal on the following Vikings possession. When they right. put together another good drive, marched down deep into Bucks territory, I believe it actually ended up being, they had uh, first and goal, I believe, and ended up yep. with kind of a longer field goal out of it based off a couple sacks and uh, negative plays. Bailey misses a field goal. And then uh, from there, I think that's right after that is when Tampa went down and, and got the, the long touchdown pass to Scotty Miller. So right there, it's kind of where the game turned on a dime. But you're right. I mean, and I think we said this going in, moving the ball would not really be the problem here before the Vikings. And, I mean, I actually thought they ran the ball better than I would have expected. Dalvin better. did surpass 100 yards, which is a little bit like a really tiny, small victory given Tampa's success holding uh, runners to less than 100 yards. But um, – I mean, he, he ran the ball really – the Vikings ran the ball really well. But uh, Kirk moved the ball passing-wise a lot better than I would have thought, especially given that Jefferson and Thielen were hardly targeted all game. Right. A lot of tight ends and a lot of C.J. Ham involved to, to move the ball down the field. And it was just a matter of, you know, a lot of potential points left on the board because of, of course, the kicker position. But uh, I, I am 
it's weird because I'm kind of like pleased with the way the game went besides of really like two or three things um, that are kind of ginormous red flags, but everything else, like they moved the ball well and it kind of, as I would have hoped defensively, there wasn't like the big, huge play besides the Miller touchdown. Um, and you could argue that there should be a gladdy pick six in there too uh, yeah. on the goal line. So all in all, like I thought the Vikings fought well and stayed competitive with Tampa Bay. Uh, it's just a few, like really three or four plays just went incredibly wrong. And of course we can talk about officiating as well, but it's just the Vikings were not destined to win this game, no matter what. I mean, they, they held the ball for 40 minutes of the game and lost. That's the second time a team this year has done that. And no other team has done it. It's been the Vikings both times. And so you're really trying to lose games at that point. The Vikings have become adept at it. And so you're, you're right that this wasn't, this was, wasn't the type of game where it kills your, your optimism, right? It, it, it hurts from an objective standpoint, which is what I've been saying for about the last you know, six weeks here. When you lose, it doesn't matter how you lose. You still lost because right. you've got three games remaining. So from that standpoint, this is all, you know, this sucks as a fan, right? I mean, you got three more opportunities. You basically have to win them all. Um, your odds are lower at this point. You just wasted, you know, a prime opportunity to solidify your playoff status. Um, Arizona went ahead and won. Um, everything mm-hmm. sucks from that standpoint, right? Um, but on the field, the way the Vikings performed, I mean, this is a top probably five defense at worst in terms of stopping the run for sure. Um, and probably as a whole in that general territory. Um, you're right. 102 yards from Dalvin cook on 22 carries. Isn't going to be earth shattering. Um, it's not a record night by any means, but it's efficient. It gets the job done. It kept moving the chains. You got to be happy with that. Um, Kirk Cousins, for the most part. I mean, there's a couple inaccurate passes. I'm sure there's a couple of them that he'd like to have back, but no turnovers, nothing too stupid. Um, there's a couple sacks that I wasn't happy about that I felt like he probably either walked into or held the ball too long for. But ultimately, like that's part of the pro- like you know that's part of the problem with the offensive line. You start holding the ball a second too long, um, and you've got someone in in your face. That's just what this unit has been when guys get hurt. And that's across the league. That's not something the Vikings can really fix. That's just you can't deal with injuries yeah. like this, and it's going to hurt your quarterback's performance. But given the circumstances, I mean, 24 for 37 for 225 and one touchdown isn't great. Um, it's probably not good to win mo- like a lot of games. It's definitely not good enough to beat Tampa Bay when you've got a lot of other things going against you as well. But, you know, this, this is going to keep coming back to special teams. We can talk about the efficiency of Cousins or the efficiency of Cook or, you know, how, how good Irv Smith looked at different points in this game or the fact that C.J. Ham was an efficient receiver on like four or five consecutive plays. I mean, there, <laughs> yeah. are, there are some small little bright spots here for sure. But Kirk's mobility is one of those we should mention. Kirk that, was hey, looking that third down call, the third and two call by Kubiak. The, the where, QB draw. Yes, that was <laughs> dude. That was my favorite play call of the entire game. I know, that I loved perfect. it. I loved it. It was so perfect. They had the they had the defense pinned back. They had no idea it was coming. All the receivers separated out, and Kirk had ten yards of freedom to do whatever the hell he wanted. He could have barrel rolled to the first down, and so like there are some things here that worked really well. Um, Obviously, the scoreboard wasn't one of them, but the elephant in the room here, you leave 10 points on the board when special teams, right? Yeah. Um, and we could talk about the officiating a little bit because um, I do think that's a factor here, but it's not a factor that – not the factor. It's not the factor. You're right. Exactly. So, you leave 10 points on the board. That's 26-24. Of course, you know, if you make those field goals, game situations change as well. My point being here is you left so many points on the board that you basically kneecapped your opportunity to win this football game. If you make two of those field goals, two, right? 
if you make the extra point and the 40 yarder, which I think are pretty fair and pretty, you know, I would say required of the kicker position, you're yeah. in this game at the last second and you give yep. Kirk Cousins an opportunity to do what he's been doing so well the last couple of weeks. The Vikings didn't have that. And really it's hard. It's just hard to come back. It's not only demoralizing. It's, I mean, it's, it's not only just seeing the kick go, you know, yeah. miss well, now, I mean, as, as an offense, I'm sure you're feeling more pressure. Like, well, I can't, you know, a field goal. I can't sell for a field goal right now. I have to go get six points. And I mean, now there's no way to quantify that uh, right. feeling of pressure, if you will. Right. And so the analytics or anything, there's nothing to say about that, but I do know. So the, the, the fun part that I, any Vikings game win or loss, I always look to Twitter to see kind of the, you know, what are the fun stats that come out of this game? And the one that I took away, well, there's a couple, but the Dan Bailey, uh, EPA, so estimated points added, or I guess lost, right, from a game that this singular player contributes. Um, it was minus 11.7 for Dan Bailey, which means, you know. He lost this game his, single-handedly. Right. And so, I mean, and so the objectively, you look at that and say, oh, Dan Bailey missed 10 points of kicks. But, you know, the extra 1.7 is added based on, like, giving Tampa great field position or how the game swung based on missing a certain kick. Like, he had a 54-yarder, I think that was basically barely stayed in the stadium but either way the bucks got the ball at the 44 yard line there so that you know helps them out quite like that type of thing so basically dan bailey objectively you know if he plays an average 0.0 game vikings are very much in this game if not winning the game so i mean and i'm not going to try to blame it all on dan bailey because vikings you know offensive line is certainly bad uh and i think officiating was what was something to consider but um that's, that's, and the problem is the Vikings don't have another option right now because coming up, you know, prior to the Jacksonville game, I think Dan Bailey was awesome. I mean, he was making everything. Right. He's the there was only no thing concerns. going right with the special teams. Right. He was the only thing that was, you know, that was, that was the joke we would make every show. There was something wrong with special teams every week since the bye week, but Dan Bailey was making everything. Going to Jacksonville or the Jacksonville game, he misses, I think, three total kicks based on, you know, field goals or extra points. This week, obviously, was a complete disaster. The Vikings don't have another option. Their practice squad, uh, the kicker, I can't pronounce his name, McLaughlin. but he was, he was like, well, McLaughlin went to Jacksonville right. oh, and right. was yeah. poached. And right. so they, their, their, their new practice squad guy went like 10 for 20 in college. Probably not the, uh, a reliable option. And so you have to stick with Dan Bailey. And I don't know. I mean, I'm no mental guru on coaching or on kicking, but it's got to be tough to bounce back from that. So uh, I, I don't really know what the answer is. I'm sure this is going to be at the – if anything to take away, it's that Zimmer's going to be more willing to go for it. <laughs> on fourth down in those scenarios we like down in the red zone, which I'm okay with that. This is a, if this is the season, to, you know, I'm saying if there's ever been a season to be a little bit more aggressive, just for the hell of it. I yeah. mean, you're six and seven, you need to win the next three. You need to now need yep. like it's, it's guaranteed. You need to win all three of them. Vikings cannot um, lose another game this year, essentially. Hey, if they're going for it fourth and six or shorter from here on out, cool with me. I'm fine with it. That seems yeah. like a winning proposition given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So um, other things that went wrong, a couple fumbles from Kirk Cousins. One of them was the most ridiculous bounce I've ever seen. Literally just fell into his arms and mm-hmm. he could not have been more lucky with like four guys swarming him and holding his legs down. Um, and then you have the one turnover, but for the most part, I mean, the blame here today is not going to be on Kirk Cousins. It's not going to be on Dalvin Cook. It's really not on your money makers. I mean, you can make an argument that, 39 yards from both Thielen and Jefferson apiece is not, you know, enough to win a football game given the way that this roster is constructed, right. I but guess. Like, the targets are being hogged by 
Irv Smith, Tyler Conklin, right. CJ Ham, like, which is a problem in itself, right? And I don't know if that's a Kirk thing. I don't know if that's a Kubiak thing. I don't know whose fault that is, but target your star receivers, man. Uh, this is, and this has become a big discussion if you're on Twitter at all, you know, over the past 24 hours, I guess, because of how Diggs is lighting it up in Buffalo now. And he did a feature on ESPN saying, you know, his problem in Minnesota wasn't with Kirk or wasn't with anybody individually. It was just, he wanted being a pass happy offense, uh, an offense that's more modern and, you know, give star receivers chances. And that's what he's getting now in Buffalo. And the worry now is that, was Jefferson going to feel the same way as Diggs did in four years when Vikings, if, if the Vikings are still doing this run heavy deal. And of course, Dalvin got the extension. So that would indicate that they're looking to stick with it for that long. But uh, you know, Thielen and Jefferson need to be more involved than they were. Uh, and I get that to an extent it did work, right? Targeting Smith, targeting Conklin. Uh, it worked. I mean, he, they were efficient, but you got to give your, your star receivers more chances than they did in this game. And again, not the only reason they lost this game for sure, but uh, offensively that's probably the one major critique I have along of course with the pass protection, which was pretty abysmal for the most part. So to me, this is just an example of overcoaching, right? Like in theory, right? When we, when we do this show, when we do the preview episodes every week, we start to look at matchups, right? And we try to figure out, okay, who should get the ball more given the circumstances, right? Um, this was, to me, an example where Kubiak was trying to find the open space, but unfortunately the only open space were the guys we're mentioning, Smith, Conklin, Ham. Yeah. And that's fine, to a degree, but you need to take some chances too. You need to, you need, yeah. You need and that to could be a Kirk thing. Too. It could be a Kirk thing. It, like, it I don't know what well the, I, I, we're not, we're not in, you know, on the insider in the, on the inside enough to know that, how that relationship works, who's making that call. Cause there's, there, it's possible. There was a couple deep shots called one on one Thielen or Jefferson and he just didn't pull the trigger, but either way, those guys have to be more involved And that. This is the exact reason that, you know, bring digs back into this is the exact reason digs wanted out is because he wanted more chances because he felt his his skill and performance and play would benefit the team more than, you know, handing it off to Dalvin 20 times a game. And I think Diggs was right. Uh, and I think you're seeing it in Buffalo, but that's probably a, a more of a, a discussion for a different show. Sure. Sure. Um, it's a fair point though. I mean, and it's something, if you're looking for a reason to worry, that's it. There you go. There's a reason to worry, but you yeah. got four years of Justin Jefferson. You got four years for this thing to evolve. Right. And I'm, yeah, that's not Different to knock personality. Jefferson. Jefferson's an absolute stud. Like there's not, that's not knocking him, but uh, he just got, I mean, you got to target your guys that are good. That you, you, Turns out getting your players that are good involved is a good thing. And I so think you're seeing that around the league. Kind of going off of that just sparked the kind of one of the biggest grievances that I had in yesterday's game was you had a, I believe it was a, either a third or fourth down situation. I think he needed about eight yards and you targeted Tajay Sharp. That's, oh, two yeah. mm-hmm. that's two times in the last three weeks that we've done that in a key situation. It was a why? deep shot too. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, I don't get I, it. Like I, it's, I, it's, it's just weird that both of those plays you're referring to the last couple of weeks were like, he's on the field in a key scenario. Right, um, And maybe it was a rest thing because I think, you know, maybe Thielen had with the COVID recovery, maybe he needs some more time off, whatever the case is. But then like, how does Tajay get in there with BB and OBC Johnson seemingly ahead of him on the depth chart? That's, that is curious to me. And so I remember the same sort of thing happened last year in that um, New Orleans playoff game when, you know, Alexander Hollins randomly had, you know, that, that target yeah. down the middle of the field and that game, he almost came up with the catch actually, but it's just like, what is he doing on the field right now? And, uh, that is another curious one. And Tajay Sharp is now lo- no longer Minnesota Viking, I guess. So um, that's uh, 
I guess we'll never see that anymore, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a good one to point out. And then I, I do think we should spend time on the offensive line in the pass protection because I think Dakota Dozier actually wrapped up and sacked Kirk one time. And then, I mean, he, Kirk was pressured 24 times to Tom Brady's three uh, for the game. And so now I said something that, about the Vikings pass rush too. For what right. Yes, it does. Both defense, both, you know, lines in the, in the trenches, the Vikings were, dominated both sides and I, and I get those pressure numbers have to do with the fact that the Vikings had the ball for way more snaps than the Tampa did but right I mean if Tom Brady is pressured three times the whole game he's going to pick you apart and he's going to you know he's going to win the game so that's number one getting pressure and of course Neil Hunter coming back soon would help that but there's I, I, I could talk for a while on what all went wrong in this game but at the same time it's like the it's not like these are the issues that I could have like seen coming pass right. protection not getting enough pressure um you know and then the kicking thing of course is is customary with being a vikings fan so like these right. type of things i'm I, i'm okay with but like the progress we're seeing from kirk from uh of course the skill players and receiver the efficiency of the offense moving the ball against a tough defense i was pleased by that and then of course yep. i think they kept the offense or defensively the vikings defense in the secondary kept things under wraps for the most part, which was nice to see. It's just, you can't give Tom Brady that much time. And you put him in such a horrible spot to, to get that, you know, that bang, bang at the last, at the end of the second, at the end of the first half. And then they start the ball in the third quarter too. Mm -hmm. So you just drained their energy on the second drive in that middle drive, right? Those three consecutive drives where the Bucks got points, big points at that. Right. Uh, That kills you. That kills your defense. That hurts morale. That does so many things that we can't quantify um, and it put the Vikings in a bad spot. And so, like, the Vikings' defense was, you know, 26 points isn't going to win a lot of games, but I think that they gave them a chance. I think that's chance. a number going in. You're like, well, if, they, if the Vikings give up 26 points to Tampa Bay, they'll have a right. chance. And to it win. is Tampa Bay, too. This has to be relative to the, the standard that you're playing against. This is one of the best, most, at the very least, one of the most talented offenses on paper. So um, I think that 26 points is enough if you get a normal kicker if you get a couple yeah. other things to go you the right way for you. Um, well, I think this is exactly how Mike Zimmer wanted the game to go. I mean, you go back to the Seattle game. This is the other game this year where the Vikings had the ball for 40 minutes and lost. Right. Um, both games, like, control the clock. This is how Mike Zimmer wants to win games. Control mm-hmm. the clock, take the time of possession advantage, you know, your turnover battle, et cetera. Like, you know, don't lose the game on turnovers. Uh, and keep the other the other team's offense on the sideline as much as possible. That's how Mike Zimmer wants to win games. And if you if if your kicker makes kicks, you know this game's totally different. And right. I, so I, I credit to Mike Zimmer. Like we, I kind of think we both of us agreed going in, he would need to coach heck of a game to give the Vikings a chance. And I think he did, but it's going to be overshadowed by these other things that he didn't really have control over. Right. Right. So let's talk about officiating a little bit here because I do think this deserves like five minutes or something like yeah. that of our time. So. <clears throat> Uh, Dan Bailey, in my opinion, if you think of this like a person, um, Dan Bailey cut off your legs. Um, he gave the Vikings basically no chance to win. Um, no movement, uh, no accessibility, uh, just really didn't give you any opportunity. Now, you're sitting there as a disfigured human now, and you've got the, offici- the officials working against you as well. We're going to spend some time here determining to what extent, because I think it's pretty damn clear that the Vikings were the uh, victims of some aggressive calls. Uh, it's just a matter of how mad should we be? And that's kind of a question that I have. It's not just for you guys. It's for myself as well. I'm going to be determining that as we break this thing down. Because um, I'm, I'm definitely annoyed. And there is multiple calls in this game to me where they were egregious, right? It wasn't just 
a swing call where it's like something yeah. doesn't go your way. This was like two or three like unprecedented type of calls for me. The main one, of course, is the Hail Mary uh, pass interference, which hasn't occurred since 2009, and there are stats to suggest that that hasn't happened long before that either. So this is a call – this is a historic moment. It is a minor moment in a game that is meaningless to people outside Minnesota and Tampa Bay, I suppose. But it's still a significant moment in ref- refereeing because you just – this doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Now, and I don't – I'm not – you know, I'm, I'm not a Hail Mary expert. I don't watch Hail Marys in my free time. But I feel like we've um, seen all of them because they but, always show them. Right. But, like, I'm not individually watching every player to know for sure. But I can't imagine what Todd Davis did down the field there was egregious enough to call something that hasn't happened in the last decade. And okay. if, if, it, if it did happen, first of all, then it, it started, right? The action of the pass interference started at like the 15-yard line because they were – he was hugging him for a while. And, again, by the book, that is a pass interference. I, it is. But you can't set the precedent of never calling it on a Hail Mary and then just pick and choose when it's convenient to call it when I would assume the same act is happening every time in this scenario. And if it does happen, they started – again, Todd Davis started hugging him at like the 15-yard line. So that's where the ball should be spotted, not at the one. And so that's another that's another part to, to to think about in this scenario. And Bruce Arians is actually kind of an idiot for kicking a field goal there instead of going for a touchdown. But point stands. It's it it should have been called in the first place. And if it is, and you got to revisit this whole scenario every game, where the officials got to get together and say, okay, what constitutes a penalty on a hail mary? Does it right. change uh, by the rule, or doesn't it? Because if it doesn't change, then there should be hail, there should be pass interference on every hail mary basically that's ever thrown in a game. It, it, it's called a Hail Mary for a reason. It, it means everything's working against you and you need a prayer to score. Yeah. That's why it's called that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so th- this bothers me for that reason, right? Like the, the obvious one where it's like, it doesn't happen. Why did it happen to us? Like the woe is me type thing. Right. But it, it also bothers me. Cause like, if you're, if you're calling this football game, like you, the only, there's been one completed Hail Mary this season. This technically is a converted Hail Mary because it ultimately ended in points, right? Yeah. This doesn't happen. It happens maybe once per season. And when it does, it's miraculous, right? It's miraculous because that's the term that it we should, use. It should, it should require a DeAndre Hopkins catch like Exactly. That. And so my point being here with Hopkins count, yes. is he caught that ball, but was he interfered with three times? But he caught it because that's the precedent we have set for Hail Marys. Like, yeah, you're right. There isn't – by the rule book, strategically speaking, they're right. But we – like, they've, these officials didn't coach their – excuse me, ref their first game this weekend. They've been doing this for years. And it's like, what did you see on this play that was different? What, yeah. what did you see? That's what I want to know. Because I don't think there's an answer to that. And if there is an answer, I don't think it's a constructive one. Right. And, again, I – the point I want to make it even clear, and I don't know if this has been discussed yet, but the ball is not the one yard line. If they're actually going to call it, it should have been at the 10 or 15 when Todd Davis actually began hugging him and wrapping him up a little bit down the field. Cause that's by the book, you know, when the contact occurs is when the, or the ball is supposed to be spotted. So that's also wrong about this whole thing. And it still probably would have resulted in the field goal, but that's just another Regardless, it adds three points. So now we're, now we're up to, what, 14.7 all of a sudden with just factors that are outside of our control. Um, or, excuse me, outside of Mike Zimmer's control, I suppose. Yeah, with the, with the kicking and then for. the – yeah, yep. Right. And then now you can go – this is kind of a borderline one, you know, a 
uh, kind of iffy call, but the the Mike or the Mike Evans slipping down, getting the PI call, and on a Gladney interception that more than likely would have been a touchdown the other way. Um, that's what a fourteen point swing there because yep. Bucks got a touchdown out of that. Yep. Um, I so that's that one was I, a little bit. There's a little bit more room for opinion. Yeah. So because so Gladney did not make him fall down. Uh, Evans just slipped, but there was a bit of a tug on Evans' arm. Right. When the ball is in the air. So I get that. If that was the call, I understand that. But again, that's just, it's one of those 50, 50 ones that the Vikings, I think at the, the wrong to the stick on. So what bothered me more on that call wasn't necessarily the pass interference, like the pass interference call I can live with. Cause like pass interference is so subjective. We've been bitching about it for years and years and years. This goes all the way. This goes beyond Des, Des caught it. This goes beyond, you know, this the, pass interference is historically annoying as hell. It, the rules differences in, in college from the professionals, yeah. like everything about this concept is annoying and there's just no better answer. So for that, I, I feel for the officials, like, right? Like it, there's not a right way to do it, right? If Tampa Bay, you know, fans would be saying the exact opposite had that been ruled an interception, right? So right. there's no right answer, right? My problem with that play was, and this is where I have the problem with the officiating is that you, they didn't do their whole job on that play. They just blew the whistle. What's it? Gladney caught that ball undeniably. Like it was very clear that the ball fell into his lap. He stood up and ran. He wasn't touched. And they blew the whistle. We didn't. So even if that had been able to be reviewed, like if, if you were That's allowed true. to review That's penalties, true. it would have been Vikings ball thrown one yard line, which is a complete lack of doing your job correctly by mm-hmm. the officials, which is my so what should have happened. So what you're saying, it should have happened there is the play runs out, right? Like the flags thrown, right? The, but the play continues so that, right. you know, Gladney takes down for a touchdown. And then if you end up calling it, you call it and you redo it. And right. it's one of those where like, it's a, it's the same thing happens on those uh, incomplete passes where, yeah. you know, if ball's thrown to the dirt, it looks like it's an incomplete pass, but the defense falls on it and takes and presumably he's going to take it for a score. You'll take a little closer look at it. It's actually a fumble. Now the defense is screwed out of a touchdown. That type right. of thing where you got to let those play out. Uh, so I'm with you on that hundred percent. I didn't even consider that, that uh, side in this one. So there's these two penalties here, right? The Hail Mary one's egregious to me. You, you got to have that one back. Um, that's, you know, that's three points they just stole from me, in, from me, in my opinion. Uh, the defensive pass interference um, with Gladney, I mean, I could take it either way, but I just would like, you know, just do the job the correct way, do it all the way, um, just for the people like me who are a little bit skeptical given that Tom Brady's playing in this game yeah. and the fact that all these other penalties went the wrong way too. Um, there was – one play in particular, and I can't narrow down the moment, and we don't have a video to play on over this video, so this isn't going to be super helpful. But there was one particular play where, where Cousins had dropped back. Um, he had made the mistake of not stepping up in the pocket early enough, and he fell backwards a little bit further. Two guys collided on him. He got helmet to helmet. He got a late hit, and he got thrown down with – He got an elbow to the face on that one too. So there was three penalties. or something. There were, it was a it, one. Uh, one of my buddies texted me and was like, "Hey, did you think that was a personal foul?" And I was like, "It could have been any of three. You could just pick your poison there. Like it's a lot of different personal foul calls. Um, again, personal fouls, subjective. Can't really be mad one way or the other that they don't get called. It's it's the group now. It's the collective. Uh, what's against you? If the, if you know they didn't call that hail mary pass interference or 
the other one, I would just look the other way and think, yeah, whatever. It's, you know, a yeah. well, then there was the, I think there was a punt return where BB was tackled. And then a second later he gets speared by another Bucks player that wasn't called. Oh, so that one was ridiculous too. Yeah. So there's, it, it was a collective and it's one thing. Cause we get like, I think we're trying to, what we're trying to say is like throughout a game, there are missed calls and it's just going to happen. But generally they even out. Right. Uh, from team to team, you know, I mean, that both teams get the bad end of the deal, uh, roughly, you know, the same amount in a game. And I just feel like it's pretty clear that the Vikings were on the bad end of nearly every controversial call in this game. And then you add the kicking on top and they just didn't have a chance, a fighting chance in this game at all. Uh, so, and, and I, I, we're never going to say that offici- officiating is the reason the Vikings lose. You don't miss four kicks and win a game. That just isn't happening, right. but it was pretty bad. And um, you lose your arm, right? So Bailey takes your legs, the re- the referees sure. basically tie your right arm behind your back and you're left with a stub of yourself. You're basically the guy in Monty Python at this point. Like it's not, it's just, <laughs> it's just a tough situation to try to come back from. And you can't really even be mad at anyone because it's not fair to be mad at the officials for trying to do their job. And just in my opinion, not doing so good of the job at that. I can't be mad at them for that. I mean, I could be disappointed and kind of feel a little bit slighted, but I can't be mad. And yeah. I can't be mad at Zimmer for trying to, you know, do a better job. I thought he did a good job. And I can't really be mad at Cousins because he didn't do the things that I hate about Kirk Cousins. He did basically consistent He football. made some awesome plays, by the way. Like, he did. Like, it wasn't just running the ball, like, like carrying it past the line of scrimmage. He did some serious mobility in the pocket to create throws that I haven't seen from him very much at all, if, if ever, in his career with the Vikings. So, like, there's – it's weird because I feel like the Vikings played, they, they definitely did play much better than the scoreboard indicates like that game. I, I would, I was, I would argue that they outplayed the bucks in that game. Um, the scoreboard just doesn't show it because of wacky kicking and some you know, officiating handing in the bucks, at least three points, perhaps more on the scoreboard. But um, uh, to me, I like, I think they played better in this game than they did against Jacksonville. And I have more confidence against the Chicago Bears this week than I did prior to the Bucks game. All right. So let's let's focus on that then, right? Uh, the defense, you know, we can kind of gloss over for the most part. We talked about some of the key moments and whatnot. But um, I think what's on everyone's mind now is, you know, is it over, right? Uh, and the, the objective answer to that is no. Um, kind of the, the feeling of doubt is – The emotional answer is in. yes. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, exactly. You're right. Um, so this is where the Vikings stand um, looking at this. Um, if you pull up your ESPN website and want to follow along with me, um, the Vikings currently stand at the number eight seed. What the problem with that is, is that the team that's right in front of them is Arizona. Um, they are only one game in front. Tampa Bay is the team that's two games in front of them. You've effectively lost the opportunity to get into that space now. Um, not yeah. you know definitively because there's three games left, but basically that's over. So now you need to overtake the Cardinals, and really that's it. While simultaneously fending off the Chicago Bears, who coincidentally the Vikings have to play here, and also the Detroit Lions and San Francisco 49ers, who coincidentally have to play Arizona. So what makes this fun is that both teams are going to be playing competitive football all the way through January 3rd. Now, the Vikings have, in my opinion, the more difficult road of the two schedules here. You've got, you've got Chicago, you've got New Orleans, and you finish up with Detroit. Arizona, on the other hand, they get to play the Eagles, they get to play the San Francisco 49ers, and then they get to finish up with the Los Angeles Rams. So, in my opinion, this could be really, really fun on January 3rd. That's kind of what I'm seeing right here is both teams. If the Vikings can keep it 
you know, keep stay within one game of Arizona. Right. It, it I think it's like it sounds like they have the tiebreaker, right? It, that's yeah. the way it works out, I believe. Right now, Vikings, yes. As of now, the, the Vikings have the tiebreaker, and I don't imagine that would change. So keep it within one game of Arizona, and then you get a chance where you hope for the Rams, who at that point probably will be playing for playoff seating. Um, because Nate, of Seattle's if, positioning right now. Especially if they're still alive for the one seed, especially. But, yeah. They, oh, yeah, true. We also want them they, – they're going to want to win the division and get a home game. It's Seattle and L.A. at 9-4 and four right now, by yeah. the way. So them so, kind of fighting off each other. So they will the be – so the Rams will be competing for seeding against Arizona that, that game. It, you're right. It could be very fun. Uh, and I will – I mean, I'll say this, too. Philly looked pretty darn good with Jalen Hurts. A lot better with Jalen Hurts. So yeah. – that's that's not a, a kick in win for Arizona by any means this week. So, but uh, the Vikings have a chance this week essentially to knock off the Bears for good and their season essentially. Um, then you get the Saints who who knows who will be at quarterback. I think they've looked very beatable with Taysom Hill at quarterback so mm-hmm. far. Uh, if Breeze is back, I, I still think the Vikings can beat Breeze given what happened last year in New Orleans. And then you get Detroit, who I don't think is any good still, and they have perhaps the, perhaps the worst defense in the league. So that's the optimistic way of looking at this remaining schedule for the Vikings. Um, you could probably talk me into Arizona playing the tougher schedule, honestly. With Hertz, I know that's what I was. That's what I was kind of trying to try and you know create here is that you talk. So the Niners are weird. They're and they're in it though. That's the big they're thing in it, here. And is they're, they're, they're trying they're to win. Yes. They need to win. Yes, yes, and it sounds like I don't have any indication that Jimmy G is going to come back. But the Niners are weird enough, and Kyle Shanahan coaches well enough where they can they can come hard. Also, interdivision inter- too, which is huge yeah. for that kind of that yep. unquantifiable Philly, thing. Philly's weird now with Jalen Hurts. Like, who knows what to expect there? Um, They're also course, competing the for a spot too, and the Rams are really good. So. Um, I, I think really, I think the schedules are pretty equal and that's why I think January 3rd is going to be a fun day because I do think the Vikings will be within a game. Uh, they, I mean, I don't, I think they can beat the bears at home and I think they can beat the saints at new Orleans, but I wouldn't bank on it. And then I think, you know, Arizona can go one and one the next two weeks. Vikings can go one and one the next two weeks. Then you need to get kind of the, uh, win and Arizona loss week 17. You can kind of sneak in Dep- that assumes that you know like san francisco doesn't win out or something i think they'll they would still be in it technically there but um yeah it's it's definitely not over but you still you do need some help along the way here yeah yep all right so let's finish this up here with just our novice projection of what we think is going to happen you have all the information in front of you now um you know, you've watched all the games just like us. Uh, your opinion is just as valuable, but we're going to try to figure out what's going to happen here. So the Vikings, of course, play Chicago this week. We'll focus more on this later in this episode. Or, excuse me, later this week on next week's episode. You know what I'm saying. I'm not – I'm stuttering over myself. You know what I'm saying. Um, Arizona, on the flip side, they have – I believe it's Philly first. So yeah. this would put the Vikings in a position now – where the Vikings would get back to 500 and Arizona on the flip side would fall back to 500. And you could see in theory, tie this thing up next week. You expect the Vikings to beat Chicago. We'll go through the full analysis later, but do you expect the Vikings to beat Chicago? What do you think to happen with Arizona? I, I'm, I'm hesitant on Chicago. Chicago's look pretty darn good. I think Trubisky's given him a spark here recently. I would, I hesitantly take Minnesota at home. Uh, and I'd like Philly, man. I do. Um, optimistically, I think I'd take Philly this week. I think they found something with Hurts. So they are kinda, playing. It is. I mean, Philly and Chicago, both two teams kind of going back to a mobile quarterback that right. is helping them out. 
it's it's a different it's impossible to scout Philadelphia right now, especially after last week where Hertz threw the ball like 15 times. He was mm-hmm. basically, you know, the, it was the Lamar Jackson style of offense. Right. I mean, um, it's, it, the Saints hadn't allowed a hundred yard rusher in like three seasons. And then they give up two, two. against, against yeah. Philly. Um, okay. So we'll say, I'll say Vikings take Chicago as well. Um, and I'll also say the Eagles uh, beat Arizona. So that puts you back to square one. Um, now you got the Vikings playing against the Saints and you've got Arizona playing against the 49ers. I, from that point, it, it gets a little bit more murky. I'll give the Vikings a loss there. Yep, same. And I will say that Arizona gets the victory over the 49ers. We'll go kind of what I think Vegas will project. That leads to that final week of the season now with the Vikings still having that tiebreaker because if Arizona loses to um, Los Angeles, their strength schedule will or their, their winning percentage against winning opponents will drop. So the Vikings get back into a position where they can make the playoffs at eight and eight now, but that be, relies on the Vikings beating the Lions, which I would and Arizona I would expect the Rams, them to do. Uh, which I expect to happen. So yes. I expect the Vikings to go two and one down the stretch here. I also expect Arizona. That Chicago game is the big one for me. It's, I think the Chicago, the Chicago game is the most important game of the season yeah. uh, for this playoff. I think they I think they have a very realistic shot to make it if they beat Chicago. I don't think they make it obviously if they don't beat. Uh, Chicago, but yeah, I think eight and eight getting in is very possible. And I think that it's going to obviously rely on Arizona, not, you know, going one and two down the stretch, but I think that schedule could allow for that. Cause I think Arizona is very, I think they're beatable for sure. Uh, and especially with Philly kind of founding or finding something against the saints. I don't know. It should be fun. It should be fun. This is far from over. And it's really weird to say that because this Vikings team just does not feel like a playoff team, but thanks to the NFL for expanding the playoff format, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a weird season. It's only getting weirder. So I feel like that's probably a good place to put a pin in this one. Um, We'll be back later on this week to uh, break down the, you know, that very important matchup with Chicago uh, in more depth uh, and give you some updates on where the Vikings roster stands heading into this big week of play and another opportunity to get back to 500 once again. So um, thank you as always for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, make sure to drop us a comment on Daily Mor- Norseman or YouTube if you prefer to watch us. Um, and you can also find the rest of the content for the team on Climbing the Pocket Network. Um, those guys are doing great stuff. And I think we're dropping about an episode somewhere every single day throughout the week. So check that out. Um, but yeah, so thank you for listening to the show. Um, and we will catch you guys later on this week. Oh.